And there were people who actually came on there to say to me, oh, please, you're not a real leader because you would be dead if you were. Like, we also, that's another thing we associate, like, <sighs> brokenness, murder, assassination. You those ain't go hard enough if you ain't die. If you didn't die. And those things are not normal. <laughs> Hey, peace, family, and welcome back to another episode of How to Beat the Trap. And I got my sister with me today, the queen. I gotta get a hug. Ain't no dap on this one. Oh, my God. Congratulations. It was time for you to start your own podcast. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, I I needed a platform. You need it. Well, you have a platform. You have many. I needed this one. Right and consistent. Well, it also gives you an opportunity to talk to other people. That's what we do. Other amazing people. Thanks. And how to beat the trap, guys. We have Tamika Mallory, the queen Tamika Mallory here, uh, co-founder of Until Freedom, um, someone that I consider and many consider the leader of this human rights and civil rights movement and uh, revolution for our people. Uh, And Queen T, what we're going to (laughs) be doing today is talking about some of America's most infamous traps. Okay. The cultural trap, the corner trap, the college trap, Mm -hmm. and the corporate trap. All right? All right. How we define trap is this. We define trap as a program or system Mm -hmm. designed to entice or entangle us, Mm. but secretly for the benefit of another. Mm. All right? Mm. And so we're going to talk about your story, your journey, and obstacles and successes as you maneuver through or leverage America's most infamous traps. Mm. And so how we're going to start that is Mm. we're going to drive up to the trap, <laughs> we're gonna stop right here at who you are today, yeah. and then we're gonna reverse engineer and back that thing up okay. and talk about Only where you, you came from. Only you. So <laughs> Got to be that intricate, right? So creative. <laughs> All right. So this is the time, really. Uh, I want to all you to you. Um, I know because you're just so humble. Never done enough. Never accomplished enough. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to force this out of you. But I'm gonna need you to tell everyone, right? Author, stated emergency, all that. But I need to tell everyone who Tamika D. Mallory is, mm. what you've done up to this point today, right? Mm-hmm. And what's your, your vision and mission? Who is Tamika Mallory? Um, you know, I, I think the thing that defines me in this moment is being a mother of a, an adult child <sighs> who is my best friend. Awesome. So that's like a big thing about who I am now, finding ways to sort of... Um, connect with this human that I created that I was not able to properly parent at a younger age, Mm. but I'm getting an opportunity to mentor in an older age. And I think that is probably the biggest thing that's at the center of like who I am in this moment. I'm also an organizer. Um, As you know, I've been at the center of some very, very big and historic um, moments in American history, um, particularly things that Black folks um, have demanded, or moments when we've demanded justice Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, a number of critical issues. Tell us a few, Um, please. So I guess the Women's March would be one, you know, really important moment. You know about the Women's March, all that we went through, the ups and the downs. And we often talk about the painful moments um, within... um, you know, with, with with all that took place organizing the Women's March. But it's also important to focus on the historic nature of what we accomplished as four 
younger women of color. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bob wasn't a woman of color, but she so, she sure is now. She's <laughs> a white woman that we changed to a woman of color right. over time because she learned so much about our struggles. Um, and I think the Women's March was a microcosm of all the things that we deal with, the racism, the sexism, um, the oppression, depression, uh, everything that you could think of was in that space, but yet still we were able to organize five million people wow. around the world um, that came together for a critical goal, which was to say no to fascism and all the other isms that we, um, you know, we know are, have been harmful to our communities. And so that's a big moment for us because we went through a lot to make it happen. And it did. They couldn't stop us. And they can never, I don't care how many articles they try to write <laughs> to say they threw us out the Women's March, this, that, all of that. They can never take from us that we were able to create that moment. It happened. Moment you did and, it. And absolutely. So that's one thing. Um, you know, I worked within uh, a major civil rights organization for most of my younger years, which is the National Action Network. Um, and, uh, you know, there, everything from presidential candidates and or presidents to uh, families that we supported. It all happened, you Mm -hmm. know, at NAN. I learned it all there. You know, we held um, a very significant place in civil rights history uh, in the 90s. And, and, you know, and and it's still happening today. You know, NAN is still very, very critical in our society. And because I was working for National Action Network, I was connected, of course, to NAACP, the Urban League, the the streets, the, you know, the community. We were moving in all of those spaces, the movement, you know, grassroots organizations doing anti-violence work. I helped to create economic opportunities, um, you know, in New York. I think I was one of those individuals to raise the first, um, first it was $5 million to get resources into the hands of formerly incarcerated people and, and folks who do work that people, you know, they're not sexy work. They're out yeah. in the street, you know, late night, you know, working with our brothers and sisters who are traumatized and um, who are willing to pick up a gun if they have to. Uh, we got them the first $5 million and then it went to 20 and now it's over $40 million wow. in New York um, for grassroots organizing. And so I was at the center of helping to make that happen. So I've done a lot, you know, right. and that's just a, a few things. Um, and now, of course, Until Freedom is, is our newest um, um, effort, uh, if you will. And we have not, eyes haven't seen, you know, where Until Freedom will go. Absolutely. And so... Um... You were mentored by Reverend Al Sharpton, right? I was. I was. Absolutely. And have um, essentially yourself as an organizer, community leader, uh, been viral many times. Um, You had an amazing, passionate speech uh, during the George George Floyd uprising that really uh, catapulted a lot of people being involved. Uh, We've heard your name in... Beyonce songs and <laughs> other T.I. songs. Pressure, pressure, pressure. Other rap songs. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, yeah, um, Jeezy. Jeezy. Yeah, yeah. Big Daddy Kane well, and uh, a lot of people. Listen, a, lot, a lot of folks. There's a new show on Netflix. I forgot the name of it. It's like... I, I forget the name of this show and I'm supposed to know it's it. It's like they it's look like woman. us or something yeah, about yeah, us yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Man, we got to get that before we And end. I'm watching the first episode of this show 
and the lead character has the shirt on, like yeah. Rosa. Yep, Shirley Chisholm. Yep. Yeah, Harriet Tubman. Harriet, like, Angela like, Davis. Our, our founding foremothers. Yeah. And Tamika. <laughs> so the whole first, Shout like. Out to Jamila T. Davis for creating those shirts. Man, yeah. so my, my sister is legendary. Our sister, well, she's my sister, is legendary. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I just want to commend you and give you your flowers. And you were there before all of that stuff, man. I mean, we I was doing the work, but. It, it we all have yes. grown so much. Yes, I mean we've grinded. I remember sitting with you in New York, like 2015. Like, what are we yeah. gonna do? Yeah, how yeah. are we gonna save Black people? Yeah, yeah. And what what organization? Do? What's the name of it? How do yeah. we? What is it gonna look like? And I and I've said to you, no, Jay, you can't do what I do. Don't even try to do what I do. I was like, there's a special place for you because the way your mind works. You need to go out and focus on economic empowerment. You told me and, that. And I said, figure out, because we broke. We struggling. We stressed. It's, <laughs> it's rough out here. Right. And I said, go figure out how to help us make money. And mm. you went and you've done that. And there's still a lot of work to be done, but it's very clear that you have, um, you know, that you took that advice and now you're working to build a model that will help to empower our people economically. And I think... You know, and that doesn't mean that you don't show up at the protests and support in many ways, but the Bob Johnsons and the Don Coleman's and so the Lewis Cars and there's so many um, uh, very powerful men who made money and were able to help keep Reverend Sharpton and Reverend Jesse Jackson and other leaders. And okay, and certainly, I mean, let's take it all the way back to Harry right. Belafonte and what he was able to do to help sustain Dr. King's life so that he could go out and be Dr. King. Right. Um, all of that uh, is so, that's another very important component because we, you know, we often, you talk about traps, we often look at our leaders and we say, well, why is it that, uh, look, I'm sorry, but my child is here and it's so, it'd be so nice for me to see him for these five minutes before he leaves. <laughs> Just say hi to me, Tariq, come give me a kiss. <laughs> Yes, okay. Come do it. Come give mama some love. He'll probably have you in the Keep the cameras rolling. Yeah, keep the the cameras rolling. Like, this is what I'm talking about. Family. This is my grand dog that I'm afraid of. What's up, King? Nice to see you, grand dog. Grand dog, don't put your face in my face. Oh, Jay, you already know. I love you so much, son. See you later. Your pants is hanging. They're not going to be able to put you in the show like this. Love you. (laughs) See you later. I love you so much. So, That's amazing, balancing yes. motherhood. Listen, and- trying to do this, and my child is here, and I got to stop to talk to him because so many times when he was younger, I would have just, like, not, you know, I wouldn't have been able to give him the attention. I would have mm. been like, okay, you know, no. Everything you know, else this is more is not, important, right? Yeah, you know this is not the time, but I'm at a place in my life where I have to stop. I got, I have to talk to my son. I mm. need to put my hands on him for whatever minutes. Because, by the way, he's gotten accustomed to... He's he's accustomed to being like, see ya, then you too busy. And then next thing I know, I find out, like, some other stuff is happening that I wasn't able... I didn't stop to take the time to pay attention to him. Mm. And so it, I, I learned in my life that that can't be anymore. You know, nothing is more important, you know? That's amazing. His, his life is important to me. So anyway, um, talking about... Uh, Dan, what were we talking about? The traps about? of... You're saying, you're saying the traps of, of really finances in the movement and oh, yeah. how leaders yeah. support you know, it. Speaking of the trap, people will say, oh, what happened to Leader Leroy? You know, Leader Leroy was amazing and now he's sold out. Well, Leader Leroy needed his lights. His lights was off. 
You know, his wife is looking at him like, yo, you out there marching and protesting and we, we don't have food. You know, mm. these kids need to go to school. They need shoes. They need clothes. Real life things that everybody else takes care of. But for some reason, they can't understand it when it comes to people who are activists and organizers. It's like you, you know, it's it's a dirty word for you right. to actually be able to feed your family. No, be broke. Yeah, you're supposed to be broke. <laughs> that somehow is, you know, has unfortunately been associated with being real. Mm. And we, we reject that, you know. And so Harry Belafonte was one of those individuals who helped to keep Dr. King's life going every day, taking care of things for his family, making sure he had a home while he was out doing the work that he does and making it where he didn't have to go work for a brand in the daytime and then try to be an activist at night because that doesn't really work, right. you know? And so, and it doesn't mean that there can't be partnership. It doesn't mean that a brand can't support you. It doesn't mean you can't do, but if it's your only source of income, eventually it compromises your ability well, the to thing, The out. funny part is that we as a community are asking our leaders to step up. Where are they at? Right. And then they arrive. Right. And then we don't want to fund you. No. Yeah, <laughs> Like, no. do that on your own accord. That's right. Don't look too Figure good. Don't, don't dress too good. Right, right. But we want you to sacrifice your life. Yeah. And your freedom. Yeah. And, and I learned that watching you, and I do remember us early on talking on, I had all these political plans. Actually, I think I uh, retained your firm, my, my, my publicist did. at the you time. Did. Did. And I'm like, yo, I want to save black people politically, <laughs> economically, socially. Malcolm X, I'm newly socially conscious. Right, I got right, all the energy in the world. Right. And I had our the, flag. Our flag. We need our own nationality, our, our own flag, nationality. our black vote day, which we do. We do, still. Yeah, still. <laughs> we still need our black vote day. We need our plebiscite. Yeah. We need our own nationality, our own seat at the world court as an observer at the least and attack our human rights violations. I'm still standing on that. That's right. Um, but my sister, um, and through her experience, uh, and being my friend tour, mm. right, a friend mentor, yeah, was true. able to say, Jay, um, we love you on the front line. We love your energy, your boldness, and young Malcolm and all that. Mm. Um, but you have a special gift in space and um, in economics. And not only you just tell me that when I did take heed to your direction and went under the hood and took like three years to... Mm -hmm. Build out, out. Yep, right. yep, and build out Tulsa Real Estate Fund and a model for group economics for us. Okay. Um, you then backed me up. Absolutely. I, and I had a little piece of change. Yeah, a little, little piece. A little piece of change. You know? And, and as our, a partner in the fund, which is the owner of this building. That's so we're right. owners in this building. We're shooting a podcast from the Black House on Black Mecca. And so it just shows the reciprocal energy of us supporting each other and really... Um, doubling down for our people together, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's critically important because... If we don't have our own media, we don't have our own finances so that we can hold our leaders, um, it, you know, be able to give them a sense of safety and security. Nobody is, you still got to go out and hustle and grind on your own right. to find a way to drive your bins and, you know, get your role. That's, <laughs> that's not the movement's responsibility. Right. But to be able to, to have the bare essentials, we have to be able to do that. And, and I am now in a position where I see myself as the we that have to do it for others. Mm. And so the young people who I work with, they know that, you know, I, I look for, I find ways to take resources from Until Freedom. All of us do. You know, there's four co-founders, my son, uh, uh, Angelo Pinto and Linda Sarsour. And the four Family. of us, that's mm -hmm. right. And you got to have them all on. Right. Um, and the, and each one, all of us believe so much in young Younger organizers who are out here that we are constantly giving of our resources to others. You mm. know, so when we were in Louisville, Kentucky, fighting for Breonna Taylor, um, we gave away probably, you know, first of all, we raised, I don't know, 
I just, I'm just coming up with a number because I can't, they, you know, we just in top of taxes and filings right. right now. But let's just say we raised probably about a million dollars in people giving us resources, seeing us there. We gave away half a million dollars of that just in grants to mm. grassroots groups, not just young people, but all types of folks who are doing work. And then we fed 4,000 people. Wow. We held dinners and, and events to try to bring organizers together. No one had to pay for anything, any of the, you know, the, the fees associated with lawyers to go to court to fight for us. We did all of that. Um, we hired all black vendors to do everything. So the whole we lived there for four months. Wow. And of course, for the, the months that we were there, uh, other than housing, because, you know, other folks... Other folks got that on lock. We got to work on, on <laughs> the housing, housing side. I got you. side. <laughs> but eating, venues, transportation, security, everything was with all Black vendors. We spent a lot of money of the million dollars that we took in, giving it away and also making sure we take care of the community. And, you know, I, I, I guess we all agree. I know you support this uh, theory or concept that what we give, we get. You know, mm -hmm. so people continue to support us, and that's how we survive. Peace family, let's pause our program real quick. Our sister, the queen Tamika Mallory, who many have called the leader of this generation, is blessing the trap with real, raw, uncut game in an exclusive interview. So I want you all to look up Tamika, see her work, not her words, and join the Until Freedom movement, a movement I myself am a part of. I've been on the front lines with Tamika, risking blood, sweat, tears, freedom in our lives for liberating our people, for justice, for freedom, for equality, for unity, in real life. So make sure you guys tap in to Until Freedom. Now back to our regular scheduled program. But yet I speak all over the world, actually, you know, for different groups that pay me to, to go in and, and talk Powerful about- Powerful speaker, by the way. Thank you very much. Talk about, um, you know, diversity, inclusion, community, and, and obviously I'm pretty radical, so <laughs> it's cool that I keep getting booked. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, damn, that's it. Right. You know, they won't- I said too much. I, I talk too much, you know, but still, um, you know, I, I get those speaking engagements. Obviously, you know, I'm an author, so state of emergency, I have a, a great book deal, two book deal with wow. Charlemagne the God. You know, your friends get in position to try to help you along the way. Um, I, I, we talk all the time about how helpful Jay-Z has been to uh, our organization and to individuals like my son and, and myself. You know, so God has blessed us to keep going and to be able to look good because we are, we, we reject poverty as being the baseline for leadership mm. in any field. Right. We reject that. That's a culture trap. Yeah, we reject the, that. The, the whole culture of poor civil rights leaders, yeah. poor movement leaders is a trap, I really think is designed, perpetuated by the enemy through media to pin us against each other to make it feel like, yo, you, you you can't look and be too good and be doing this work. That means you're stealing, you're doing this and doing that. Yeah, no. I, I've, why if someone is risking their freedom in life, we don't want to see them in abundance? Yeah, no. We So we reject it so much so that we are working, and when I say we, I'm talking about not just Until Freedom, but there are a number of organizers who've been discussing this and 
we are trying to shift the culture for the next generation. We know we're going to be, since we're the first ones out the gate, they're going to shoot us, beat us up, pin mm-hmm. all of the, the allegations, the lies, everything on us. But we want to show that it's okay. However you want to look, it's on you. Right. But for me, I'm, I, I understand the importance of walking in the room cleaned up. You know, <laughs> right. I, I know that that has that has helped me open doors. Right. It's unfortunate, but it's reality. You know, and I also believe that opulence, we, we should normalize black women experiencing and marveling in opulence. Mm. Right. Not to the point where, um, you know, we become whores to labels or whores to, uh, you know, just worldly things. Certainly, I don't believe that's the case, but we should be building generational wealth. We should be able to buy the things that we want. Why not? You know, who said, who came up with the model? Like, <laughs> right. you know, who is they? <laughs> you know, they? Who is they? And why not us? And, right, and, and why, why, not, not y'all? why not Why not me? Why not you? Why not, you know, who said? Because I, I, in this movement, um, and, and I've never been in any other movement, so in any movement I've ever touched, no one can say I stole anything. Right. That's just a fact. That's a fact. You know what I mean? That's just a fact. They can they can try it, but they'll never be able to prove that I stole. Right. Because I have always, to your point about supporting this, the Legacy Center, I have always put my own money into my work. Mm. It's just so happened that over the last two years, I've actually been able to get a paycheck from the organization. Because prior to this, I have always been the one to give my money. Facts from whatever else I was doing, consulting, PR work, to help keep the movement going. Right. And you know what's dope, what Peter, we gotta understand is the, um, also the opportunity cost of time. <laughs> right? right? You could have put all the time you put into the movement and I could just rattle off and probably would miss a hundred uh, maneuvers and Days protests and, and demonstrations right, and all that of right. things that you've done. I mean, you've helped so many families, you helped us as a people, right? bring justice to the forefront. But with all that gifts, all this brilliance and speaking ability and leadership ability, you could be running a Fortune 500 company oh, with I've your thought time. about it. I've thought about it. I have had, and I've had offers. Right. I've had people say, come and do for this company, this large company, you know, what you're doing in the community, we can pay you and you can make a difference here. And I have actually, I've definitely thought about it. Why? Because dealing with black people is very difficult. First of all, white supremacy is, it it is dangerous. Um, You know, it causes trauma that can't be, that can't be reversed often, Mm. unfortunately. You know, I know I experienced it in many ways and we could talk about that later, but that's one part. We're so used to doing, fighting that battle though, we're gonna keep at it because we're chipping away and it only gets stronger as we get stronger. So it's not going to just break, you know, it's going to take like some real, real work and a passing of a baton of, you know, many generations of people to fight the fight. And so we know that, we understand that. I'm going to pause you there, I know where you're going. White supremacy is the obvious enemy. It's the obvious enemy. Right. And I remember when I I got into the movement, um, I I signed up and I thought, hey, I'm becoming more influential, Um, you know, passionate, right? And I, I, I go to work. And I always felt like something's gonna happen to me, either physically or being framed or something else. But I knew I signed up for that, Mm -hmm. right? And now I want you to keep going where you're going because we know that enemy, but then there's this other. So then, but then, you know, when it comes time to, when you're fighting the people that you're trying to help. That part. 
and, and all of it, not just that I'm trying to help. I don't want to seem like a savior because I'm certainly not. I'm helping you so I can help me, right? right? We, we together oh, are helping my child. You know, this is very selfish for me. I, I look at my son in his eyes and I'm like, I want him to live in a world that is different from the world that I have been raised in. You and know? you don't want to wait for that so, change to come from someone else. Yeah, and no, hope so us, hope I don't have time comes. to, right, I, don't ha- I can't wait on anybody. His, right. He's my responsibility. So I got to be in the game on behalf of my own. Mm. And so I'm doing that, but I'm fighting some of the same people that we're supposed to be in here working together. It does not mean that Tamika Mallory is perfect. Right. It does not mean that Tamika has the answers. It does not mean that Tamika's work um, has brought about the most, you know, sweeping change in American history. Doesn't mean any of that. But what it does mean is that each generation, as Coretta Scott King once said, has a responsibility to fight for its own freedoms. Mm. Right? We we ha- we we don't get to lean on what they did before us. We have a responsibility to fight in this time. It's our time now. And have our own legacy and be able to show what we did. What was our contribution? And so fighting your own people in the midst of that is very difficult. And sometimes it gets overwhelming and you feel like, yo, like, I just can't do it. I was, you know, I was um, talking the other day on our podcast, on my podcast with my son. Uh, Tell street, him about the podcast to mention street it. Street Politics. That's right. I'll make sure you subscribe to that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the place where the streets and politics meet, you know, we talk about Which I need culture. I to be a guest on. You know, certainly love yes. to have you. You and your beautiful wife, my sister. Of course. Sister. We need to be a guest uh, yes, on. Yes, you should. You <laughs> know what? Kobe, too. <laughs> Actually, and Kobe, too. Kobe. I didn't know Kobe's out here working TVs and stuff. Yeah. Like, they grow too fast, yes. man. Kobe bought some moves. <laughs> Kobe is out here changing the world already in her own little way. But um, it's very difficult to have these moments, I guess, um, where it feels like you're up against the, your own people the most, right? It's, re- it's really hard. And oh, what I was saying is that, you know, there have been moments, that's it. Got it. Edit. There we go. Um, you know, there. I, we were talking about on our podcast uh, just how Cardi B tweeted recently that someone tweeted at her and was like, Cardi, what's up? Like, where you at? Your voice was out here. You was on the issues, talking all the time. You know, she, you know, Cardi. Justice, right. She was on it. And she said, yeah, but I got tired of being hit by the Republicans and then also bashed by the same people I was speaking on behalf of. And I commented on her, on that, that, you know, post on the shade room and said, I understand how she feels. And I said, you know, take your time. You'll get back in the game. You know, she's in, in the forward of my book, Cardi mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Angela Davis. And so I know her passion because mm-hmm. we talked through the forward. We, you know, we interviewed her and we, and we understand how serious she is about the issues. But I know how she feels that sometimes you just got to take a step back because mm-hmm. it's just too much to, you know, be going through th- that pressure of having people lying on you, hating on you. And so I commented on the shade room that I understand. And there were people who actually came on there to say to me, oh, please, you're not a real leader because you would be dead if you were. Like, we also, that's another thing we associate, like, <sighs> brokenness, murder, assassination. You those ain't go hard enough if you ain't die. If you didn't die. And those things are not normal. So we got, we were taught these unfortunate um, ideology or this unfortunate ideology that we have to reverse. And I think, unfortunately, we're the, it's us. We got to do, we got to be the teachers and the reversers And take the darts at the same time. And take the darts at the same time. It's so funny. When you were talking about the piece that you were saying, like, can't nobody say I was stealing, right? Like, they can say you were stealing. They can say it, but they won't be able to prove it. it. 
because it did. You know, happen. we went through the same thing yeah. where they can say, you know, he's a scam, it's a yeah, fraud, he's yeah, stealing. Yeah, yeah. One year audit. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. Another year audit. Nothing. Nothing. Another year audit. <laughs> nothing. FBI investigation, SEC investigation, no findings. So what? He's still stealing. He's still stealing. <laughs> like, I mean, so- people, I have, you know, I I get into the biggest Jay Morrison arguments ever, but like, I go hard. It's, they can't, they know, they like, okay, can't talk to Tim. Right. She's, she's <laughs> I can't not, run this. <laughs> she's not going to go, you know, I'm never going to be, my mind won't be transformed and changed because guess what? I, I see it. I know. Right. I know what you've done. I know the type of person that you are. And I also know um, quite frankly, that my friend, Ernestine, your wife, wouldn't be with you if you were a scam artist, lying, stealing guy. She just right. wouldn't, she wouldn't be there. Like, I know that. You know what I'm saying? And so even if I was like... Well, I hey, wouldn't be with me. You wouldn't be with you. We, I wouldn't be with you. Right. Like, uh, um, an American gangster, when Ruby D tells Denzel Washington, I will leave you. Right. She will leave you. <laughs> we will leave you. And that that's just a fact. We, right. No one is here saying that we're trying to um, cover people who are dishonest with the community's money. Like, mm-hmm. we, we don't, that's not, that's not, that's not cool. And we don't support that at all. We know better. Maybe you made a mistake along the way. That's, that's okay. We can, mm-hmm. we can deal with those things. None of us are perfect. Any of us, right. None of us are perfect. But when you say that somebody is stealing money, that's a real serious accusation and a story to put on a person. And unfortunately, what I think Black people are sometimes some of our people, how we are tricked is that the person behind the computer mm. is not even one a person who looks like us or that even cares about our communities, but they put it out there and then our people take it and run it down the court. Yep, and control the narrative. And you know what we're gonna do um, in this podcast, we're not gonna rush through it. This is gonna be called part one. Okay, well, So cool. we got limited time today because cool. I, I, cool. I don't wanna rush through this with cool. you. You're too important, this conversation's too important. Um, so you've had all these experiences learned so much, um, and uh, again, just have risen, not like it was like a rise, so to speak, but I think just like, I know you've grinded for our people and you've grinded to get to a place where you're not broken in the process. Mm. Well, I was broken. I was very Mm. broken. I was very, 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 very broken. And hopefully you'll um, ask me, I know you do this thing where you ask people to talk about a moment. Like, yes. Because I have one. Yes. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I've been preparing you prepare for that to part? talk about that part. Um, but, you know, I was broken. I have been broken. And I'm just, you know, I've been put together and patched up a few times. And mm. thank God I have a mother and father and family members that are 10 toes down. Like, they, it doesn't matter what I go through. I call them and they like, yeah, you're going you to be good. It's going right. to be fine. I'm like, no, no, I'm dying. Your they're mom like, and dad no. are amazing. Yeah, they're like, no, no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, right. No, it's not fine. Yeah, it's fine. Why? Because it's, you're not the first nor the last. Like, mm. our people go through this over and over again. I have other mentors who have literally walked me through so many different moments of crisis and pain. But, you know, and, and so now I'm walking through people through, right. you know, how do we, I, I had conversations a- with Nick Cannon, right? He was going through hell and I was on the phone like, Nick, you know, here's my advice, whatever that mm-hmm. may be, you know, and, 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 and I've had to walk you through some things and each one of us, right. because that's song the whole, and- I let the, oh, godly mice mm-hmm. and I, we like, we, we fight like cats and dogs. 
Cause that's my brother. Y'all brother, fight brother. like brother and sister. I, I saw a video fight, of y'all. Like, I'm like me and Ernestine were like, yo, they're really like brother and sister. No, like, they're really fighting when it's fight podcast like right now. cats and dogs. And then when it's all said and done, it's like, oh, we actually heard one another because then we start to put into practice the things that we've been fighting about. But it's because, and I see it, I know what it is, the trauma that black men have experienced. Mm. It's like when when I'm trying to tell him don't say or do or whatever, he's like, yo, I'm I'm tired of people telling me what not to say, how not to feel. And I'm like, I'm just trying to help you refine it a little bit where you don't blow up the entire house. He's right here all that. <laughs> and he don't want to hear it. And then sometimes he comes to me like, yo, let me help you understand how women can do certain things to make black men feel diminished. Mm. And I'm like, nah, 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 nah. And we go at it. And then later on, I'm like, you know what? We do do that. And I, and, and, and in fact, I used to do it to my son. Mm. I used to do it to my son. He would, you know, be trying to tell me how he feels about things. And I had that bad, bad learning. You know, we was taught from an old Southern root. You don't speak. What I say is what it right. is. And put some other words up in there, right. some curse words. Children are to be things. seen and not heard. And I don't all. know who the hell you think you're. And you looking at me funny too? You know, like we, it, 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 was, it was not healthy. Mm. And... As Tariq got older, not just mice, mice, mice being the main, but then Angelo also, they would just look at me and be like, yo, you can't talk to no young man like that. Mm. You know, you gotta be careful because the words you speak as his mother is going straight to his heart. And I and I, I started to understand that, whoa, it's not just him that's a problem in this relationship. It's also that I really never learned how to raise my child from, I don't know what it's called, I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's different from how, well, we, the way we were raised, it was pretty rough. Yeah. It was rough and tough. Right. <laughs> you know and I still had that, and he knows it. He'd be like, yo, my mom right. should be bugging. Right. But I, I still had to learn as he was coming into manhood that I had to treat him like a man if I wanted him to act like a man. Mm. And, and that came from my brothers checking me about my behavior. You know, mm. and trust me, Jay, it wasn't easy. Cause I would be like, I don't know what the f- y'all talking about. I say what I want to say. That's mm-hmm. a problem. Everybody trying to tell me I'm I'm a grown up, you know, right, and, right. and cause I'm his mother. You know, and they be like, <laughs> I birthed him. That's right. And I, I brought him in this world and I take his out. Right. That was the mindset, but actually that didn't work. And now that I've changed a lot, my relationship with him is different. His respect level is different. Mm. So it takes it takes it takes strong black men around you, man, to help you even as a black woman. Yeah, we got a lot. You know, we golden. Like, black women got their own trauma. We got and then we and then we, and then we bring trauma. it together, and it's like fire and gasoline <laughs> coming together. You know, it's it's a lot, but. Even though we're queens and we have so much, I don't want to live in a world where my kings are not here, healthy, mm. and 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 really undergirding my entire life. Because everywhere that I go, black men show up for me. You know, black women, of course, hold me down, but black men show up for me. As we should. That's right. As we should. So uh, we're going to tease a little bit. Um, we know now where you're at today, your mind frame. I really want to unpack this thing of like, I wish we can figure out, like you said, the Nick Cannon, the this one or that one. Like, how do we like not, I don't know, I want to say not tear each other down. How do we get to a place where 
it's sad to see from the outside in, not even being biased, your brother, but to see someone like you who like actually is showing us and putting in the work, right? Or Nick Cannon who will risk his platform or Cardi B, right? So they're doing the things that we ask for, right? Yeah, we we yeah. God, give us a sign, give us a leader, give us, right? And they're doing it. And not that we all, but that especially social media can be manipulated, right, to do yeah. this thing oh, yeah. that plays in people's minds, like psychological warfare, which now has people like, yo, I don't even want a part of the movement. Like, we've seen it with T.I., we've seen it with others who want to contribute, but it's like, Absolutely. yo, it's messy over here. Like, it's like rolling in the mud. It is. It's, it's a contact sport, Doc. It, it ain't, has it's to not, be, it's, listen, it'll kill you. <laughs> there has to be, like, I mean, even my wife, Ernestine, like, she was like, yo, like, you know she's passionate about black oh. men, black people, all that. She was like, listen, I'm pregnant and y'all trying to tear me down sure. and everything else. Like, yo, I'm just... Black men, too. I, Black men, I'm just done with y'all fools. Like, I'm like, it's I love y'all, but I need to love y'all. But and that's why people check out. But then they check back in. They, we, we check back in. We check out. <laughs> and then we check back in. We check out. And then we check back it's in the, because we can't help it's it. The Black folks hotel. Man. It <laughs> like, is like you can't. You can't. Well, if well, you can help it if you're not called. Mm. Once you called, you there's nowhere to go because no matter what you do in life, somehow or Bring another, it back. brings you right back and you have a skill set that no one else has. My skill set, there are many organizers, but there are not many organizers like me. Mm -hmm. And that's just a fact. It's a fact. It's a fact. It's not something that you, is debatable. Right. It's, it, it's your I, superpower. I, I have something that was put in me that no matter how many people call me about other jobs and moments when I'm like, you know what, I want to go and do this. I'm not going to be as good as the diversity and inclusion director over here right. as I am doing what I do in the movement. It's your this highest is and best my, use. This is, this is, it's, it's, not, it's not even just my highest and best use. It is, it is my highest and best work on behalf of God. Mm, it's your anointment. It is, it, is, it is the anointing on my life. It is the thing that brings me you know, of course, it causes deep pain because the stuff we deal with is wow. hard. It's rough. But just knowing that I was there and I was in the mix and that I was able to, you know, bring some form of satisfaction that we at least fought back, yeah. you know, to, to my people. And that, I'm, that, that somehow or another, deep in those moments that are, are challenging, I'm not afraid. You know, and I I, I'm over. scared of dogs. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid of this, afraid of that. But, but for whatever reason, the superpower comes about when I'm in the middle of a storm. Mm. And that tells me that God is with me in that moment. And everything else that I've ever done that wasn't for me, God was not with me in those <laughs> moments. I was, I was out there like, yo, where, where, what's going on here? Right. You know, so, so when I've been in, my, in, in the places... Difficult, difficult, but I felt the best about what I was doing. God was with me. Mm, that's the confirmation. That's the confirmation. I love it. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I want to ask one question as we now go into, that was your life, <laughs> right? So now we're going to reverse engineer. That's not even your life. That was just... The, our opener. Yeah. And now I want to ask one question, and we won't even go all the way through it. I'm going to tease you guys a little bit. Yeah, but um, again. where did Tamika grow up, young Tamika? Where did you start, and yeah. what was that upbringing like? 
I grew up in the hood in Harlem. I grew up in a housing projects that they call them developments now, I guess. Well, that's what they call Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was the projects when we were coming up. But now they're housing developments um, in, in Manhattan, right up the street from uh, the Apollo Theater. Um, I grew up with, and thank, thankfully, um, I was blessed and privileged enough to have two parents that now they've been married over 50 years. Wow. And so they held it down. You know, we didn't know we was poor. You right. know what I'm saying? <laughs> we was like, I was chilling. Like, yeah, mama don't got a new card. <laughs> you right. know, everything is good. But, you know, now I know um, what they went through, the struggles that they went through to give us the little bit that we had. Um, I went to Catholic school. Did you have siblings? Um, I had, uh, yes, I have siblings. I have, it's four of us. Okay. Um, where one you, of them is my cousin order? brother. You know how that goes. Right. You got cousin brother. I have one. So, Derek, <laughs> right? He lived with us and you know, has always been there. And then um, I was, I'm the baby. Okay. I'm the baby, yeah. And um, I don't know, you know, I have a huge family. My, my mother is from Alabama mm -hmm. and my father is from North Carolina. I think my father has 13 brothers and sisters, and my mother may have 11 or 12. I might have the numbers all mixed Huge up. Huge, though. But it's more than 10 right. um, for each family. And they have children, and they have children, and then there's more children, and there's people everywhere. So when people have birthdays, die, Thanksgiving, whatever, and we all get together, we're talking hundreds of people wow. you know, that are part of my family. And, um, you know, I, I grew up with a good old Southern... Yet still, you know, the the northern life. I was in I was home for school in the north, but the school ended on this day. The next day I got my hair braided, <laughs> might, you know, get a little few things on the plane. Down gotta south. go. Coming down south. Unaccompanied minor. They didn't even come with me. They put me on the plane <laughs> with the flight attendant and their pilot. See ya. And I didn't get back until days before school started. So I literally grew up in both places. And, you know, my experiences that just that down homeness that my family has stayed with me through everything. But the one thing I learned is that you can't lead people to do anything you're unwilling to do yourself. Mm. And between my upbringing at Nan and also my life with my family, I learned about hard work and I learned that everything that I ask of another, I have to roll up my sleeves and let them see me in it with them mm. because that would that makes for the best leadership. Awesome. You say, say that again. You say you can't do. You can't. You can't ask anyone to do what you are unwilling to do yourself. That's a trap bar. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So you learn that in the process. All right. So you're going through the summers, right? So you're going. You're in Harlem, Harlem girl. I'm in Harlem, right? Yeah. And so um, yeah, you're I going. I was cute too. I cute. <laughs> cute Harlem girl. Cute Harlem girl. Then I put the damn perm in my hair. You know, like little things like that. Like I was cute. I had thick. Beautiful hair, and then I was like, "Mommy, I need to get a perm," and she let me. I don't know why. And then there's there was that problem, <laughs> you know. Society, things right. change. Right, culture trap. <laughs> Cultural <laughs> traps, right? All right. So you're going so, through middle school, high school. Um, at that time, were you aspiring to be anything particularly? Um, yeah, the the, the the wife of a drug dealer. Absolutely, that was 
that, I mean, what are you talking about? Well, I was watching Paid in Full and all of Belly and right. like that. Yeah, of course. I won. I wanted the big bamboo earrings and the, the jacket with the the leather jacket with the tassels on it, and all you that. know, Asics and. 5411s, like the whole thing, yeah. So you literally aspired to be the white Oh my God, I was de desperately hoping <laughs> that, that I thought that's what it was all about because it seemed like everybody else had to work too hard. Wow, okay. <laughs> Facts. Not, not facts, though. That's a real thing. <laughs> that was what I I remember wanted. watching the um, old uh, DMX, rest in peace, DMX video where he was like uptown mm -hmm. getting a girl and mm -hmm. his navigator or something mm -hmm. and she was coming out. I was like, you know what? That's what I want. Right. Yeah. I want to be that guy. Yeah, right? The guys that, that were dealing drugs, they were shiny. Mm. They were shiny. They had shiny good. things. And they hard looked I know good, it looked good. But they were dropping dead. I can't really count the... Uh, it's maybe a few of them are still alive. And to be honest, when you see them, they look like they did. Mm. You know, that's, that's a, the rest of them, they, they were killed. One was killed in front of the Apollo. Another one was killed. Um, in the buildings, you know, all kinds of things happen. So at the time, it looked cool. But as I got older, I started to see and understand that, yo. And by the way, my son's father, who was not a drug dealer. Mm -hmm. He just thought he was for mm. a short period of time. He thought he was, right. but he was not. It was not his uh, calling. I, don't, I guess you can't right. be really called for that, but you know what I'm saying. Right. He shouldn't have been. And that's how he got killed, because he ended up being with people in something that he had no business being a part of, mm. and they took his life. Mm. Um, you know, and and, I, and it was a very short stint of, of this thing that he got involved in. Uh, but poverty is violence, you know, and he was homeless at one point, you mm. know, living in an ab abandoned apartment building. Um, and so I guess he thought that that was the answer. So again, you, you, you see it as shiny, but the backstory. And that's the Stop. corner trap. That's the corner trap. And part of the culture trap, because the culture is blow money fast, buy nice things. You want these things. The corner is your way out. Yeah. But it's secretly it's designed it's, for... It's your way out. <laughs> out, out. Out, out. All right, so going through high school, you graduated high school? Graduated high school. No, no, what am I talking about? I didn't graduate high school. I, um, I, dropped, I, I dropped out of Catholic school because, you know, I was too grown at that point. I okay. had a term. I was grown, and I was like, I'm doing it my way now. And um, I went to public school, found out you could just walk past. You know, at Catholic school, you can't walk out the door. Like, as soon as you get towards the door, it's people coming. Like, where you going? They call people and right. do things. But in public school, you just walk out the door and nobody says anything. In fact, the security guards and other people see you later, you know, it's nothing. I was like, oh, I'm like, what you doing, little girl? Yeah, like, I was like, oh, <laughs> like, this is it. And I learned that. And then I walked out and never walked back in. Wow. Um, and so I finally was enrolled. I found out that I could go to college and get my GED. Mm. Um, and that, you know, and, and, and I was so, I already, you know, it, it's something about I don't, your brain when it works a certain way. They said you have to do this many credits of these things, and then you can apply for your GED, and it would count towards your associate's degree, and then, of course, go towards your bachelor's. But many people got involved in the program, and they just went to school and went to any class, and then at the end of the period, they would be like, they didn't have the credits, so it took them longer. Mm. Me. I was like, tell me exactly what classes. I had the books I read. I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. And so I got my GED within the first year and a half. My associate's degree came at the same how, how time. How old were you then? I was 20. Oh, man, Jay, you, I don't know. I must have been 
maybe I was 29, 20, maybe 28. Yeah, you know, 20. I'm 41 now, so it's been some time. And then I, um, I took that and I worked all the way to get my bachelor's degree uh, in communications and liberal arts, liberal arts being the, the, my um, main degree. And um, I left right out of, from school and asked to be transferred into the communications department full time within National Action Network. And I was, I was able to be there and that's where I got my PR skills. So I had mm. organizing skills already and then I got PR skills and then I became executive director of the organization. Wow. Yeah. And, and when did you start movement work, activism? Oh man, there's no, I don't, there's not a time when I didn't, I wasn't doing it. Even when I was little, it was making signs. My mm. parents have been activists my entire life. Wow. So I've never, never, I, I mean, I've done other things. I was telemarketer, I worked in a lawyer's office. I've done other, the work at the supermarket. Right. I've done other things, but in terms of like my main focus, it has always been this work. When did you cancel the aspiration of being a drug dealer's girlfriend? When my son's father was killed, I knew better. Gotcha. I knew that. And, and I, that, at that time, I was already into my career, but I still had to slip back. You know how you just still want to hang out. <laughs> still thought I was cute. My son was only two, so gotcha. I was real young. You right. know, 19 years old. He was. I was 21, I think, when, my, when, when Jason was murdered. So I was young. Gotcha. I was into it in my career, like learning sort of how my skills could be used mm -hmm. because there were people pouring into me, mentoring me, training right. me. But, you know, weekends and nighttime, I was the, the stay out all night and get up in the morning or get, walk in in the morning, shower, change, and go to work. That's how I was living. Right. But when my son's father was killed, I, I started to see the connection mm. between, like, his story. His parents were perpetual drug abusers. They were in and out of prison. Uh, nobody ever thought... They are beautiful people. And nobody ever thought to give them a program. Mm. You know, there was no... Uh, public health crisis. Right. You know, it was just um, all punitive damage for them, you know, for their addiction, their disease right, that disease. they were suffering with. And, um, you know, he, he, even though he had grandparents who were very, very, very good people, amazing people, his grandmother still to today uh, is one of my favorite people in the world, um, you know, he, I don't think he was able to get past not having his parents there. And it wasn't like they were deceased and gone. Right. They were in and out of the system. So he, no matter what, was going back and forth with them on their journey. And mm. I think that that just did not allow him to grow into what it is that um, he could have been. Mm. That's yeah. how this system entangles us. Yeah. And it becomes generational. So you, okay, 30s now? Yeah, 30s, um, I'm growing a little bit. Right, work your way, and by then you're executive, executive director, director of yep. a major civil, civil rights and movement organization. <laughs> working, working, working. And that's where most people, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Tamika, for we, she first came on the scene. It's like, I've been doing this a long time. But when I was in my 30s, um, that's when I started, you know, having leadership roles. And um, I... You know, uh, all throughout my 30s, in, in addition to the work that I've done, the Women's March, which happened in my 30s and all of that, I also was growing up, mm. you know, and my son is growing with me. Right. So <laughs> I'm growing up with him, learning myself, you know, learning more about me as a, women, a woman um, and starting to create space and boundaries 
And towards the end of my 30s, um, I got addicted to pain pills. Mm. And um, and then, you know, I, I went to rehab. So... Well, I don't know that. Yeah, that happened to me. I was 39. I was, I was yep. Just in 2019, I went to rehab. Wow. So that was, that's my moment. You that's know? your moment. That's my moment. That's, that's my moment. moment. What did that moment say to you? Well, you know, you're in a dark place when you're in rehab. I don't, you know, I don't know if you know folks who've been... I do. In, like, sent away, not the rehab where you kind of, like, go in every day. Right. But I was, like, in a program in Ohio, um, and I had, I had my own room because Jason Williams, the uh, NBA All-Star, mm-hmm. uh, he... I called him, contacted him, and told him that I needed to go to rehab, and you know, because I knew that Jason um, was involved in that, and that he has programs, and he's the one who sent me to um, Ohio. Wow. And so I, they treated me nice because they knew who I was, but I was in there under an alias, and now I'm telling everybody about it. It's like it didn't make sense. I went through all of that <laughs> trying to cover myself because I didn't want anybody to know. Right. And then one day I woke up and was like, I got to tell people because this is God's story, not mine. Right. It's you know, well, yeah, it was God's story. How did you get through that? Like, damn, wow. and that happened? You know, and um, I was in a room, dark room. I just remember being there one night, and as dark as it was, and it was damp because you feel cold, you know, coming off the drugs, the whole thing. Um, and I, it was damp, and I, I was feeling like told, but I just remember feeling good that, wow, I, you know, I'm going to make it through this, and, like, I'm going to be a different person. Like, a rebirthing process mm. happened in that space. And um, one thing I learned is that they give white people really good drugs to help them get off of drugs. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was one thing I learned in that moment, right. that white people get the best of everything. Because right. I was in one of the best drug treatment programs out, out here. Um, but the other thing I learned was that every time we go down, those down moments, like, you got to really be present in it. Mm. Because there's so many lessons and, you know, if you, if you really find a way to, interestingly enough, if you, if you really can find a way to meet God there, mm. there's, like, literally no way you can be broken after that. It's like nothing you can hit me with today. Right. You know, I, I get it. it. I'm not saying it's not going to hurt, but I am so sure that every stretched. time I've been there, God always shows up. Yeah. And so I know that just like the last time, He's going to show up again this time. Mm. And that is the moment. It's like a, a high that I live my life on every single day. Mm. Knowing that you can go there and he got you. Knowing that he always Stretch, shows. It doesn't bent, matter what broken. it is. I'm not broken. I mean, yeah. I have been broken, but not destroyed. Yes. Not destroyed. I love that. I love that. All right. So, all right. So, I want to give a trap analysis for my sister, Tamika D. Mallory. Um, as we've seen, uh, Tamika has been able to hone skills, leveraging the corporate trap, and um, beat her way early out of the corner trap yeah. of a drug dealer's wife, <laughs> and uh, was able to recognize the culture trap and has faced it in different ways, mm-hmm. has faced the culture trap from the street perspective and culture trap in this civil rights and movement perspective. Yeah. And, and um, has been able to define, dismantle that trap that she should and we should be um, broke, yeah. uh, impoverished, dusty, crusty. We're not doing it. 
right, leaders um, in order to serve our people um, and has also been able to uh, leverage the college trap to gain some skills to be all of the amazing organizer that, that she is today. Yeah. So that is my, what I call, trap analysis. Ah. And you kind of gave us early your trap transition, right? A transition of your life right now, that the moment of being broken. Um, you talked about uh, kind of uh, what you experienced younger with your son's father mm -hmm. passing and how that kind of got you out of, out of the streets. Was there like any other aha moment mm -hmm. that, that you've had that is like, you know, something that you think really changed or made you more of who you are? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think once I looked out and saw that five million people came together under my leadership, you know, along with other incredible individuals, I was like, yo, you a bad chick. Like, you're a bad chick. For real, like, for real, for real. Like, <laughs> whoa. And, you know, sometimes I find myself slipping back. Like, maybe I'm not this or that, or maybe, you know, but my people, my team, you included, always like, nah, like, remember that moment. That moment that you felt you were a bad chick. That's still you. That's still you. you that's know? awesome. So I think that's, um, I hold on to those things because it, it just reminds me in the midst of these like moments when you're like, whoa, we're not even, you know, we're not getting justice. Right. You know, I hold on to the idea that, um, you know, it's not, it's not just, it's not me. Like the pressure is not just me. Mm -hmm. I am perfectly made for this moment and what I'm supposed to be doing. And somebody is going to take us from here to mm. there. You're playing your part. And I'm playing my part. And, you know, and I think also it's important for, for you know, people to understand that they're on their journey and they're working hard, that they need to know that, you know, it's like, um, I want to just be careful in, in how I say it because it's, it's so powerful. Like, I can feel it. That we, we can't, we actually can't do more than what God has wants us to do. Mm. Like, even if you tried, it wouldn't work out. You aspire to do so much it, more. It, it, it just, it, it wouldn't even work out. Like, there is a particular role and it won't, and the story won't be told until you probably are long gone. Mm. So you may not ever get to hear the flowers, the real flowers that people put on you mm. about what role you played right. in your space that was divinely design for you. Right, and the ultimate plan. Yeah, and, and the ultimate plan. And the compound interest of all the work that you've done yeah. may be realized, the ROI will be maybe realized yeah. from generations. Yeah. That's, so. a, that's amazing. All right, so family, we just got a uh, trap uh, transition from Queen Tamika and yeah. my trap analysis. And now you all gonna stay tuned yeah. for part two okay. of How to Beat the Trap with Tamika D. Mallory. And we're gonna um, bring you to the trap seat, the trap hot seat. Okay. Where you can blow the trap up. Cool. All right, so y'all stay tuned for part two of Jay Morris and Tamika D. Mallory, How to Beat the Trap. Peace, y'all. In real life. I love this, Jay. A peace family real estate pioneer, Jay Morris, and coming to you live from the Black House. Uh, why haven't you got your first of his kind video 
textbook, excuse me, interactive video textbook experience, the 12-step real estate crash course. This book will make you a real estate power player in real life with over six and a half hours of video lessons with 290 pages of real workbook experiences, tests, quizzes, assessments that give you the skill set, mindset, and formulas needed to dominate in real estate and be a power player in any part of the industry in real life. Homeowner, realtor, wholesale, landlord, flipper, developer, don't matter. You need this book. Your family needs this book. Go tap in the link right now for your for your interactive first of its kind video textbook experience in real life tap in 12stepvideotextbook.com